0: Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.
1: Welcome to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, September 16th. Big week this week. It's everyone's favorite team event of the year. No disrespect to Davis Cup. No disrespect to Fed Cup. No disrespect to Hopman Cup. But it's Labor Cup time. Always that fun time of the year. Team World versus Team Europe. Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, all on the same team as John McEnroe, Jack Sock, and Nick Kyrgios. Try and find a way to scrape out Team World's first win in the series. Joining me to preview that for the first time, to talk about the week that was at the Cary Challenger and some other storylines from the tennis world, is my doubles partner, partner in crime. And I'll say it, the man who does a damn good Bruno Mars Impersonation. Maxwell Bauer Rothman. Maxie, welcome to back to the mini break pod.
2: Well, I feel like we have to just quickly mention why that came up because it's just too funny. The we we were talking earlier just about like semi formal prom asks and (laughs) my my absurd self. That's actually not how it came up.
1: The, the real way it came up, the real behind the scene for the listeners, of course I cut you off, hot uh, start, well, hey Max, I miss you, but it's because man. you and I start every phone conversation with some sequence of singing and lyrics and back and forth, and <laughs> we should say the reason I, we do it is because I am the worst singer known to mankind, but you're actually <laughs> like very good, and so the harmony is, it strikes the right balance of amateur singing.
2: Yeah, it's nice. It's it's always a fun way to start a phone call. If any of you need a a spice up your uh your phone phone you know intercourse life, uh you just start start with a nice sexy song and, and I promise you it'll it'll go uphill from there. And you should know,
1: listeners. To and I will try not to get the copyright, so I only sing a little. We start a day with beautiful girl. All over. And that is exactly how we got into Rothman's Bruno Mars impersonation. But with that in mind, as we mentioned, a ton of tennis to talk about. For you listeners who are, you know, thinking long term, what am I looking for down the home stretch? Before we start, you should know today... Me, Rothman, our friend James Foster McDonald, recorded a Great Shot podcast live on YouTube previewing the ATP players we will be watching most down the home stretch. We talked about some of the results from Kerry and other events in that process as well when determining the guys we were talking about. So be on the lookout for that in podcast form on the Great Shot podcast feed later in the week. Interviews-wise, really fun interview I did Friday night with Bethany Maddox-Sands, and it had a Friday night feel. We were loose. We were letting it rip. I called her B-dog for 45 minutes during the pod. If that doesn't tell you, it was a good time. I don't know what will, so be on the lookout for that. But Max Rothman, with all of that being said we've got some tennis to talk about and the place i want to start tonight as as we talked about last week our our big event to circle given that it's post us open there are a ton of american hardcore challengers on the atp side great chance for us to see players such as the Michael Moes, J.C. Aragonis, uh, you know, Ty Kwiatkowskis, uh, Noah Rubens of the world, as well as you know other players, 27, 28, still in that top 100 range. You also see guys in the 80s, 90 range dipping down to that, uh, you don't want to say dipping down, but playing at the challenger level to accumulate some points, some confidence if they've had downside. So a very loaded draw. The place I want to start with a weekend, our quarterfinal match from Friday, an all-American next-gen thriller Michael Moe taking on Tommy Paul I believe for the fourth time in their career maybe third I think Tommy carries either a two and oh or two and one record heading into that but these are guys who have played you know dating back Kalamazoo's and junior slams they've been through it the whole time Tommy in 97 Michael Moe in 1998 And this match, through the first two sets, really did live up to the height. Michael Moe ultimately taking a 2-6, 7-6, 6-1 win over Tommy Paul. Now, we talked about Tommy winning in New Haven on the GSP, and we talked about it a little bit last week on the mini-break. We've talked about a lot from his aspect, but I want to start with Michael Moe Rothman. You look at Michael Moe this season, this is a guy who has been plagued by injuries. Going into the week, 5-8 on the year, only 13 matches played a lot obviously if you're five and eight that indicates at least three th- first round losses but you look first round qualifying loss for him seven six in the third at the u.s open three set loss in aptos in his first match three set loss qualifying first round city open uh three set loss qualifying to tommy paul again seven six in the third at in atlanta so he's been playing consistent i should also say he won a match round of 32 uh in canada First round exits, again, Winnetka, Wimbledon, so that, and at Columbus. So again, oh, and at Little Rock. Geez, again, what this is stressing yeah. to me. I was, <laughs> I, I was trying to keep going until the injury happened. I didn't realize he got injured early January right after the Australian Open where he played the first round. Uh, he had the wild card go- or direct entry going in, I believe, and then didn't play until the French Open where he lost first round qualifies. But you look at his year so many ups and downs uh, just physically to get back on the court, get this result, let's start there. Uh, what did you see from Michael Moe that has you feeling inspired about his tennis moving forward?
2: Well, the, the things that I did like were his movement and I, and I think that that was something that you could probably point to and say that could have been you know a, a little bit of concern considering he's just getting back onto the court and into the swing of things. Uh, but I, I really liked his movement. the the forehand looks good, the serve looks good. Um I think the the thing that I like to see in this match that you know that you didn't see necessarily well I shouldn't say that it a really close match with TP back in Atlanta um but he was just smart he he took the backhands down the line when he needed to uh, I think he played two TP's backhand a lot which was is, is something that I'll I'll speak to cuz I, I I'm a little bit we we talked a lot about TP today so I'm I'm trying not to to repeat myself <laughs> on him but um his backhand it's a little it's a little stiff and i and i think that you know people definitely will will recognize that playing him uh and so i think mo did a good job playing to that um so i think it, it just his game oh. overall looks solid What what's that face You think his backhand's stiff compared to Michael Moss? Okay, so just real quick on
1: the record thing. I know I rambled there. He's 5-8 on the year, got three of those five wins last week in New Haven. So really, he was 2-8 going into the year at that point. For him to get the three wins there and then make the final here, he ultimately loses to Seppi, and we will talk about that. But yeah, I mean, he just put together seven wins uh, in two weeks. That's obviously, I think, what three times what he had going into that so that's a huge breakthrough for him but for Michael Mo you talk about his movement I want to start there he looks healthy he looks a little bigger I feel like he's five pounds too much muscle right now like if he lost five pounds just to slim down I feel like that could be a good thing
2: well (laughs) five I don't know if five pounds is making five to ten I'm just saying well because he's so fast so explosive but I feel like he's a little stiff Yeah, but I almost don't mind it. I want to see a little bit more pop out of him. I I Uh, think he moves well enough as it is. But but to, but to it, the back but I don't
1: mean it from a movement point. I mean it from a fluidity. I think the ground strokes, he doesn't produce powers because, he, I mean, when he turns in, when he fully unleashes his body, as you see at times, he can hit the cover off of the ball. You see it with his serve, right? The way he explodes into it. That's an elite. It de- it demonstrates his elite athleticism. It, I, I'm saying he's five to ten times too heavy. He's maybe one of the, you know, five to ten best movers on the challenger circuit when healthy. But for me, it's... He's so tentative. Everything, hes he knows he's such a good mover. He knows he can make a match physical. But he's so reliant on that. And I believe Tommy Paul, he goes down, Tommy goes down 0-3 in the first set breaker, gets back to 5-3 up, in, or in that second set breaker, I second should say set, TP, yeah. gets back up to 5-3. And then Mo started taking some chances. And that's when he actually had more success. So I guess I agree
2: with you. Yeah, I mean the the other thing you have to take into account when you're playing at carry is those courts. I mean, they you can just tell from the live stream they're slow. They're they're definitely, definitely slow. slow. It's like crazy. I mean, I was wait. Watching have these you played on those ser- courts? I have. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have once or twice. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just watch these kick serves. I mean, you saw both of them step in on second serves and and you know put pressure on the on the other player. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, it's just yeah, like you said, deathly slow. Uh, so I think it's a little bit easier to rely on your movement when when that's the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, Mo his forehand's a little compact and and I, I think the backhand, like you said, with comparing it to TP, when I say when I say it's stiff, I mean TP just doesn't follow like his left arm just doesn't push through all the way on his backhand. Like you see him guide down the line backhands and sometimes. I just wish that if he if he really pushed that left arm all the way through the through the stroke and I know you're smiling cuz you're cuz you're I'm sounding like a tennis coach right now. But I I'm serious. I mean, it's a little bit more guided than it should be. There there's some points where I think he could end the point if if he actually swung all the way through the ball and, and didn't guide it as much. So, that's uh, that's my only comment.
1: I have no criticisms of his technique. You talk about it for Tommy Paul. He had this match in his hands and he was uh, you know, coming off of a New Haven title. sorry excuse me justifiably tired like you could see why physically he would wear up but it was in that uh second set tiebreaker I think it was a serve call he thought the ball was out the umpire overruled it and called it and they replayed the point and that bothered him and then for him to come out in the third set the way he did he really tanked the third six one was lucky to get a game was down 4-0 in the blink of an eye and you know he there was a moment where after the second set, he takes off his shirt. He tomahawks it into the crowd. I mean, t- I guess for Tommy Paul, huge net victory, right? He's now inside the top 100. He really has a chance to maybe even break that top I think 75. He's like- I think yeah, it's 84 now. Or, yeah, something around there. And so really has a chance to break uh, that top 75. But this was an opportunity wasted. I, Michael Moe, who in this match, 54 of 74 on first serve, or 73% first serve percentage, wins 69% of those points. But. Only uh, wins 40% of his second serve points. Tommy Paul, 4-4 on breakpoint chances. It got really lopsided in the third set, but he was really doing the better job of protecting his serve through those first two sets than Michael Moe. He did a great job of staying patient. He knew... Michael did not want to come forward. You talk about, we'll talk at Davidovich Fakina, there were a bunch of drop shots. Tommy Paul kept throwing in the drop shot, passing shot combo because of how hesitant Michael Moe was moving towards the net, how not confident he looked in those moments. And for a guy who is physically imposing as Michael Moe, being a comfortable volleyer, being willing to move forward when you open up the court for yourself with some sort of athletic marvel of a play... That's got to be an essential feature of your game because when you get opponents stretched because you can hit as well as you do on the run, you sneak in behind that, take time away from them, that's a winning play.
2: I mean, it's funny how often we talk about some of these young guys being hesitant to come to the net, and I think it's something that we've seen a lot of the the top players you know, progressively get better at over the years. I mean, I, think about Nadal back in the day, never used to come to the net, and you know more and more we've seen him you know realize that that's something that he needs and and you know is important to you know shortening up points but also just closing uh so yeah i mean i, I think that i agree with you there it's it's a huge component and uh, i think as he gets more comfortable with it uh, he'll see some more success but i think that's that that's pretty much the the story here you know seeing him get healthy work on his game uh, he's ranked 186 in the world right now i'm sure it'll go up after this tournament and you know, we're, we'll we'll definitely see a little bit more of uh, of Mo coming forward.
0: Yeah,
1: it's a credit to him coming forward. Nice pun. hey, great shot because he's not coming forward. But um, yeah, you look at just through the rest of Michael Moe, ultimately a finalist where he loses to Andreas Seppi six two six seven six three. But you look through the rest of the draw, some notable results. Noah Rubin, who has obviously been making huge waves off the court with his Beyond the Racket Instagram, Twitter, social media handle, behind. his coffee. Yeah, behind the racket, I say Beyond. Hey, good I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, behind the racket, see, I don't want to give a free plug to them because even though we're part of the, you know, we're all part of the Tennis Channel podcast network family, but. You know, it's always a little brothers' fight, right? Uh, that's just how we yeah. do it. Um, but so, yes, excellent stuff for him there. Uh, but on the court, he hasn't had a great year. I think he's made three quarterfinals of brother. hasn't really made one since uh, around the French Open. Made that final in Playford at the beginning of the year. He gets the quarterfinals here, knocking off Chris 6'7", six four six seven seven six. We've all seen the handshake where you know Eubanks smacks him on the head. Eubanks, six seven, but- Rubin five seven. So it's a very fun contrast. It was more um, like
2: a hand to the face. It was like take the <laughs> yeah. face shove it to the side yeah,
1: it was it good was, it was cute it's one of those moments ever you cute, know tennis cute twitter, cute is the exact word tennis <laughs> twitter love is this a criticism tennis twitter loves to find itself cute right it loves to be like oh my god i stand for this there's nothing i yeah hate more than the word stan but that is i like stan wavrinka as we talked about in today's great shots. we gave wavrinka one of our most intriguing spots but i Hate the word "stand." That in lit. You you know my thoughts on lit. I'm more of a lummus guy, as you're well aware. That was Straight lummus. <laughs> la well, um,
2: well, there's there's humor, hummus, and and lummus. So <laughs> you got you got to make sure you talk about the the, the progression the of the word. But the the funny no, part too, also, okay. Ruben's Instagram post afterwards. If I'm, I was just thinking about this, so he posts this whole thing like, "What a match!" Blah blah blah. Like posted like a quote afterwards. And uh no, it was, it's granted great. is after it's cute. It was. It was after a seven six win, but I was thinking like if we played that match and you posted that, <laughs> shit, I would be so angry. And Mo's response was I genuinely hate you. And or Eubanks. Eubanks response. So, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Okay, Eubanks response, I genuinely hate you. Like, <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> exactly the response Dude, I would have given. I just like
1: what does Stan mean? Where did we find it? That's not what the word Stan means. Like, there's Pakistan. There's Afghanistan. There's Uzbekistan. Is this like, we are the Stan country. We are Warinkistan And like, maybe that is where it comes from. But that's what?
2: stupid. Did, did, you, like, did wa- you just say Warinkistan?
1: Wa- <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like, that's what it's saying. It's like, we are Stens of Wawrinka. Um It's
2: just like, this is so stupid. I just, I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, all right well before before we get too caught up in, you know, in stan let's i let's mean, my, get, hair, my
1: hairline reflects that sort of rant um but yeah getting back to carrie i just i don't get it and lit are we gonna do no i just like oh dude this is fire i'd be like we'll put it out like that's not good Ugh. um it's just so stupid right, whatever you're we have a whole a, dictionary a to work with. no it's just like we're better than that we're better whatever um Okay, Noah Rubin. Good results for him. He's also better than the results he showed. And I'm glad he gets a quarterfinal here because this is a guy who's won the Charlottesville Challenger before. We've seen him have success at the indoor hard courts. He could make a push. He's won that Australian Open wild card before. He's playing well enough to do it again now. Uh, you look at some of the other notable results. J.C. Aragoni, another guy. Really up-and-down year for him to beat Ulysses Blanche. Really physical, six seven seven six two 2 all-retirement. Blanche, I think, screwed up his cramping. ankle coming down on a serve. He just yeah didn't look comfortable during uh, after that, so he pulls out. But for Aragone to get a semifinal, I mean, again, on a slow court against a guy who can do— you know, you give him enough chances, he's going to do something ridiculously athletic. I still—I don't know about J.C. Aragone top 100, like, uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. It's just the consistency week in, week out. But this is a guy who, if he puts himself in a position to make Australian Open qualifying, I mean, he did it at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. There's no reason he couldn't do it again now.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I remember watching him. got it at, at uh, Wild Tennis Academy, like however long ago is <laughs> ridiculous. And he just yeah, he he's just rips the ball. So uh, yeah, we. We've, well, we've you seen know,
1: the... I stand for Virginia, so I'm all about uh, yeah, a UVA yeah. push.
2: Yeah. So. Um... But anyways, yeah, he, he's, he's a beast. Definitely could see him, you know, make it through a, a qualifying of a, of a major like that.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, any other uh, thoughts on Kerry?
2: I miss those courts. I miss those courts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Counterpoint. Orlando's our home now. We're done well, with y- Kerry.
0: Well, We well, yes. moved on. Yeah. Uh,
1: all I have is heartbreak and anger at Molly Fox when I think about <laughs> Kerry. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: Oh, man. I, I still vividly remember just sitting behind the court by the by, by the trees after the match. Uh, we Dude. shouldn't get into this. Yeah. I just... Yeah. We'll first. That's another. also yeah, where that's Red funny. Rocket... The Red Rocket was born. The Red Rifle. I was like, that's the Red
1: Rifle. The red red rifle, rifle. Yeah. Oh,
0: my God. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.
1: Oh, all right, but with that in mind, there are other non-American challenger results that we would like to talk about real quick. And uh, one of the big guys we talked about on the GSP, I forced Jamie and Rothman to listen Alejandro to about Davidovich
2: this guy, Fokina.
1: who was a winner today in the Seve Challenger, uh, knocks out another young next-gen player, Jaomi Munar. Uh, I believe the, the result, a two-six-six-two-six-two winner. Rothman, again, I I asked you just to watch some more highlights. We remember Davidovich Fokina had a breakthrough on the clay portion of the year, got his first couple of ATP wins earlier this season. Uh, But for him, he gets his first challenger title of his career here. He hops up to a career high, 108 in the singles rankings. He's top 100 in the live ATP race, which, again, that's the amount of points you've accumulated on the year this far. So what that shows me, he's played at a top 100 level what did you see about Davidovich Fokina that you liked in this match?
2: So, I mean, there's a few things. One, I mean, it just looks like he's playing smart tennis. And I know I say that sometimes, but I think a lot of times some of the... <laughs> they, no, but, like, seriously, a lot of a lot of the younger guys don't play the smartest tennis. They, they play either overly aggressive or they, they don't change up their game style when things aren't going right. Uh, and, you know, Fokina here he didn't start off great you know that that first set is you know he he wasn't playing the constructing points as well as he could have um kind of letting Munar dictate the 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 play and so what I I mean I, I liked that he was able to change things up he got a little bit more aggressive you saw him step inside the baseline take those those backhands early uh which I like to see I mean it was just drop shot central there was probably 40 drop shots in this match um, the clay looked gross As we discussed Before this Is just Weird looking um, But overall I just I, I liked his the, the way that he adapted To to Munar's play what are, you, what are you smiling about Over there
1: This is stupid But I try and make you laugh Because I'm very fond of you But I know when I broke you And that Molly Fox joke's Broke you. And when I get that belly laugh out of you, it keeps a smile on my face. Yeah. I just always enjoy yeah. hearing them from you because you have a very nice, visceral gut laugh. Um, <laughs> but, sorry, with that being said, yeah, the clay—I mean, the circumstances were less than ideal for Davidovich Fokino. Last week, he made the final, and he was a 4-0 in a third set breaker of the first challenger final of his career, and he lost that match to come back the next week and win in the fashion that he did. I mean, Davidovich Fokino— until that final, I don't think he dropped a set the entire week. And to beat Munar, one of his peers in Spain, a, you know, to beat him two weeks in a row—that's a really, really impressive result. And again, you date back to even August after the U.S. Open, he made a semifinal the week before that. So to go semifinal, final, challenger, title as a nineteen, twenty—I think he just turned twenty—as 20. the twenty-year-old. That's the three week stretches we talk about. Can you prove it over an extended period of time? I mean, Tommy Paul has done what Davidovich Fokina has done, but like over the course of three weeks, spread out over seven months because of injuries. Davidovich Fokina has proven he can stay healthy. And yeah, it's all on red clay, but
2: this is a guy who plays on red clay at a top 100 level. Right. And I mean, you talked about his straight set wins. It, it, they weren't just straight set wins in, in this tournament before the final. He wins one and two in the semis, three and zero in the quarters, three and two in the round of sixteen, and in his first round match, six and one. So I mean, these weren't just wins; they were dominant wins. Uh, so he's he's clearly feeling himself. And again, the the big question is. How is he going to translate that game into the hard court? Is he going to be able to be aggressive enough? Is he going to be able to, you know, handle the pace of some of these bigger guys? And uh, that that'll be the big question for him, you know, going forward.
1: So we we talked about this a little bit in the GSP about Tommy Paul, and again, listeners, I go recommend that because we really talk, we get, we go in deep as we always do on GSPs about these guys and why you should be watching them. For Davidovich Fokina, I asked you this about Tommy Paul during the GSP. This is a guy now who's right around number 100. He's 108. So maybe he doesn't get into the Asian hardcourt ATP level events, the 250s, the 500s, rankings-wise. Maybe he get into qualifying. Maybe not. But if you were him, now that you've established this level of success, would you do your best to play hardcourts the rest of the season? Just because it's time to—you know, that's the next level. The season isn't always on clay, especially once you get past the challenger level.
2: I think different answer for Fokina than TP. I think Fokina needs to keep playing his clay and get points. Just match play? Just rack it up? Yeah. Yeah, I I wouldn't risk going to to the Asia to the hardcourt swing where it might throw him off, ruin his confidence that he's built from all these wins. Keep playing the clay. Do your thing, get some more points, build up as many as you can, so that you can go into 2020 with a, a strong point base and use those to get into the bigger tournaments, and then not have to worry about the Challenger Tour, uh, you know, in the late season of 2020 like he is this year. So uh, I think it's a different answer than TP, where you know we've seen TP have success in the hard court, and he's you know played a bunch of ATP tournaments this year already. Uh, I think you'd want to see him, you know, go to Asia and like Fokina, where uh, you just want to see him get points in matches.
1: All right, that that's completely fair. One last note on Munar. Munar earlier this year reached number fifty-two. Uh, I think it was after he beat Zverev, right in the Masters event or something like that. He he was playing really well in the clay earlier this year, and then yep. he lost thirteen of his next fifteen ATP level matches. He's now outside the top one hundred. And so, we
2: were uh, hot on Munar. I mean, <sighs> we were. were we? Yeah, were we? we were. We he thought he was good, we. we thought
1: This is how you know we. Uh, Vicky Duval, whom I love, who is our Wednesday, or will be once throughout the week, I'm not sure the exact day, on the mini break, always says we as well. She's like, oh, we love that. I don't know if we loved Munar. I, I, I We liked him, we, but he's a little small. He's always been a little small. And at there was ATP always that level, caveat.
2: We, we thought yeah. on the hard court, we were a little worried. That was one of those things. We were like, can he hold up on the hard court? Because he had such a good clay season, and he didn't hold up. Yeah,
1: and look, he's what, 21, 22 years old? He's got plenty of time as well. No one's saying, and don't write him up. There's a reason he got up to that level and to do it at that young age. It's a marker. I'm sure he's going to look back at this year and say success. I'm also sure he's going to look back at 13 of those losses and realize I'm sure a bunch of them were in three sets. I'm sure he had a lot of winning opportunities, and so even to get a year of reps at the ATP level, you know, this isn't Jack Sock who's doing uh, a two and 14 year at age 27. This kid is 20, 21 years old. So I'm not he's freaking out yet. It sounds like you, yeah, exactly. It sounds like you aren't Arthur uh, either. But just two more quick tennis storylines, and then we'll get into Labor Cup. UTR event. I know you. we talked about it. You sent me a text. That's how I have to bring it up. Kozlov last night. My boy, Steffi K. Knocks off Sam Query, Gets revenge for that Sacramento, or was it Fairfield Challenger? I think it was Sacramento back in 2014 where Query beat him in the final. Kozlov beats him here. Ultimately loses to... Cracked Interview former guest I will mention Stefan Kozlov, you cancelled on us. Query did not. Steve Johnson did not. Steve Johnson, who recently we had on the Cracked Interviews podcast, a great interview you should all go listen to, ends up beating Kozlov in today's UTR final. Rothman, I guess your Kozlov thoughts, your UTR thoughts, your Steve Johnson thoughts, just what do you think of this storyline?
2: I mean, look, last time yeah, I mean we, I, I was at the U T R event that Query won. Uh, And that's where you know I got to talk to him, and you know I got to see what those UTR events are like, and they are they're very legitimate. Uh, You you, I don't think people should discount them at all. I mean these guys they're working out there. They want these wins at the UTR uh, at the UTR events. So uh, yeah, I'm sure some people might be saying, Oh, you know whatever, it's a UTR event. Query may not have been you know giving it his all, whatever. I think that's ridiculous. Um, So it's a huge win for Kozlov. I mean Kozlov has had you know an, an up and down year, and. I think that's the kind of win that should make him feel really good and, 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 you know, give him some, again, confidence. Give him that moving forward. Um, Stevie, you know, also. Can I just plug real quick that it wasn't
1: on a live stream for us to watch, and I looked around. Maybe it was, and maybe I didn't look well enough. But, hey, UTR, you need some live broadcasting commentators. I've got the duo for you.
2: Well, they did offer to to have us come out and unfortunately, it's just it's in San Francisco, it's a little far and as a as a current cripple, that wasn't the the easiest <laughs> the easiest thing for me to do. Um but hopefully hopefully we will get out there to the UTR event soon. Uh, but yeah, they they definitely could use some some Greskin Rothman live stream commentary. Yeah. Sorry, your thoughts on Stevie J though. Well, well, look, we, we just had Stevie J on the podcast, right? I, I listened to that uh, a few days ago, and you know, he even he even said, yeah, good, you d- you did a, you did a nice job. Um, but Stevie even said like this wasn't you know exactly the year he was hoping for, right? I mean, he has played a lot of challengers, and I'm sure that's not something that he wants to be doing. He's you know a guy that's used to playing grand slams, and you know getting in. He's been he's been seeded at grand slams, so. Uh, you know, not exactly the, the year he's been hoping to have, and I, again, I, I think any time you can go and get a title, that he, he said this also in your interview, which all of you, I'm going to plug it again, should go check it out, it's really interesting to hear him talk about college and just, you know, the his life on, on the tour. Um, but he said, you know, a win's a win. It doesn't really matter, you know, if you can go out there and be the last man standing, you know, that's word for word what he said. It's that's what you that's what you want at the end of the week. So uh, whether it's at a challenger, UTR, uh, two hundred and fifty, uh, it's got it feels good and it, it definitely makes you, uh, you know, confident moving forward. So um, I wonder how many. I think we should start a tracker on how many times I say confident moving forward because because it's it's happened too many times <laughs> you say that
1: like i say i completely agree yeah. all things we work on you start hearing it and, and you build a habit. Yeah. what am i telling you you're well aware 350 episodes <laughs> Steve we're only getting and yeah from here it's only downhill yeah. uh, you quoted me talking to stevie johnson i feel like it's not going to get much better than that <laughs> what a joke what a joke um yeah fun podcast but then my last uh story and i by the way now that it's post us open we can do what we want on gsps there's a pros cons and what's going on with utr episode that's just in the queue waiting for us to record and i promise listeners we will get to that some point before 2020 but my last fun fact for you and we haven't played a game of alex's trivia in a while so we'll do an abridged version of that right now uh Today, Nicolas David Lonel, i apologize if I mispronounced that—became the first man born in 2002 to win a title on the ATP level. Uh, my question to you: Well, you're not going to know this one because Carlos Alcatraz Garfia, uh, the man who was born in 2003, became the first 2003 player to win a, a title earlier this year in July. But my question to you: 95, 96, 97—name uh, the three first title winners.
2: Ninety six was Fritz. Ninety
1: six was Chorich. Oh, sh- April two thousand thirteen. Uh, it could be a futures level.
2: Keep that in mind. Yeah. Um. Ninety six was Chorich. Wasn't chapeau No, he's he's ninety nine. But yes, he was the first ninety nine. It was two thousand.
1: Yep, and Jason Sung, who we got to see last year in Stowe, was
2: 2001. Yeah, so 96, 97,
0: 98. Um, Chorich. Was
1: Pass one of them? Pass in 98, no. The 98, you're not going to get this one. Duck Healy, that Ah, player. Ben Rothenberg's written on him many times, a fantastic story. Mm -hmm uh an incredible tennis player not just deaf uh, but the first title winner of 98 97 can you get it it should be one of two guys in your head you're not going to know their birth years that's weird uh but i do and it's one of two guys in my head i'll give you a hint both of these so guys made at the it. Co- well i mean i know the 97s so that's my thing uh, i got to know yeah. that younger competition i was like i'm still better than this player when i was well, 16 well now now
2: that i when i said fritz and then you said chorich i just i forget that we're uh we're, we're potentially looking at guys who are, you know, top twenty right now. Yes. So, my hint
1: to you: both of them made better than expected runs at the U.S. Open. Who are born in ninety-seven? This guy, one of the breakout players of Cincy and the U.S. Open. That's my hint to you.
2: Of Cincy and U.S. Open. Medvedev? How far
1: back can you think? Not Medvedev, no.
2: <laughs> I mean, had good Cincy and yeah, uh, no, that's good. He's,
1: he's a ninety-six. <laughs> he's a 96er. Sheesh. Um. Bigger forehand than you, and you know I don't say that lightly. Mm-hmm.
2: Bigger forehand than me, Kurios. <laughs> no, he's a ninety-five. Come on, no, I, I know he's. I'm glad um, though that you
1: acknowledge Kyrgios has a bigger forehand than you. This is a breakthrough for us.
2: Dude, he has a massive forehand. Um, had a good breakthrough. I don't know why I'm. On. It's it's late beat Sunday Federer, beat what?
1: Federer, and then beat curious Beat curios actually at the U.S. Open.
2: You beat Kyrgios at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. this year this year who be curious andre rublev
1: did 1997 i'll oh bail you God. out from there first so winner november 2013 that's how uh, so you then, know i'm tired
2: cuz yeah, exactly. we just did a whole a whole us open series of, of pods and i couldn't remember that Rublev one anyways one
1: 102 on the east coast and you're tired uh yeah i guess i'll call right that now. the broken foot syndrome no that that was my last fun fact but with that being said one last thing we want to lightly get into to just tease you guys on the subject of course i am talking about the week's big event the laver cup finally taking place this week What we're going to do today, because we'll talk even more in depth about, you know, the little things, the social media fire, what to expect each day, what the formats are going to look like, all those things later on in the week. But just real quickly, Rothman, let's go through the the rosters and what we're looking at for team uh, world this year. I'm trying to find the ro. Oh, here we go for team Europe this year. Let's start with the good stuff. Uh, obviously, the big boys coming together. Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer making their return to the court together. Nadal taking last year out. Djokovic taking his place. Uh, people are in love. Ugh. Almost as much as I hate Lit. Almost as much as I hate Stan. Calling people's names and putting it together. Team Fadal. That's me making a stabbing sound effect. I don't even need it from you. Actually, Westhoff, give me a samurai sword sound effect, please. I it's a little well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, people obviously very excited to see Federer and Nadal together. You also have Dominic Team not coming in the best form, but Alex Virev making his return. And then two new additions, Tsitsipas and Fognini, who honestly, to me, the two most exciting players on Team uh, Europe.
2: Yeah, I mean, Team Europe just, oh, they're so stacked. Um, That team is crazy. Those seven are just,
1: like, is okay so that's also yeah, alternate sorry, go, ahead, go ahead
2: alternates rba um so keep in mind yeah. they're, they're alternates rba captains borg of course um team world i mean we've got isner you've got ranich you've got curios shapo jack sock and fritz like it's a j it's varsity versus jv it's <laughs> just ridiculous um i mean there, there are some potential good matchups in there i mean I think we're a hundred percent gonna see a Nadal Curios singles match. I think there's uh, no question, no question you think about I, it. you think
1: Nadal would agree to
2: do that? You don't think he's gonna be like, no, like, no thanks. I don't. I don't need that in my life. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, if if, the, if that doesn't happen, you're gonna get Curios versus Fed. Uh, you might get a Ranish Nadal, ma- Ranish Nadal match. Uh, you gotta put Is Isner against Team, dude. if, isn't if there you're a lot?
1: Sorry, isn't there a law that you can't have Isner and Ranich on the same team? Like, Kevin Anderson is spicy. I get that. Last year, he was as good as any player oh going my God, into it. Oh, God. He was you know, so good. Yeah, he beat Jokovic Jokovic match. Yeah, Ugh. he beat him. And so, you, I got that. But, what is... I know FAA turned him down. <laughs>
2: also, where's Delpo? Give <laughs> me Delpo or Schwartzman or just something. And, like the fact Not that the Russians
1: Jordan, are are Russians team World or team Europe? Do we know yet? Because we haven't seen a Russian play. I
2: feel like they should be team World. Uh, a lot of people consider Russia part of. Uh, that's that's uh, a story for another. A, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact uh, that team World's alternate is Jordan Thompson. Like, ugh. look, I, I like Jordan Thompson, but come on, like, what, <laughs> what's happening here? Like,
1: the redeeming quality is if everyone on the team is rocking a Jordan Thompson stash. Like, that'd be hilarious. Like, Fritz has a little pencil stash because, like, he, he, like, colors it in. Chapeau's just like, look, guys, I can't do that. Like, that's just not happening. Yeah, um... But that would be sweeter if they go no shave for this entire week and they all just come out rusty. Like that would be interesting. But you look at this roster and you're like, I know Delpo wasn't going to play. I'm shocked. Schwartzman's not back on the roster this year. Nishikori banged up, probably can't doesn't want to play. I, I know. I know. Kachanov just had a kid, so you get that. But if Russia was indeed available to play uh, for Team World, like why why aren't we seeing him there? Um, I mean. Look, it's Alex Diminauer. I, I guess, like, do you put Diminauer on instead of Ranich? Like, I don't really know about that. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't know who team, the obvious ones are Delpo and Schwartzman those, the, and Nishikori. Like, those three, if healthy, would give them a fighting chance. You watch Delpo yeah. in this environment versus anyone in singles, hello. Um, yeah. But you look at this team world roster, they they look good in doubles. You know, Kyrgios and Sock, or Sock, they have the best doubles player in the world in Jack Sock. Um, So, like, they have that going for them. But I don't know. Kyrgios and Sock will play together. I bet Isner and Sock play together. I would like to watch Chapo Sock. That, to me, would be a really fun team.
2: Yeah. Don't let Fritz
1: anywhere near the doubles. Let Fritz take his shot at someone in singles because I think, like, him versus Tsitsipas, that could be fun. Dude, I don't want to see Fritz. Give
2: Fritz Zverev. Dude, (laughs) Zverev is not good right now. Fritz could come out there.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like Alex Virov looks at Taylor Fritz and actually ugh.
2: Uh,
1: I to, oh god. He's just say like it. I he's just like I do everything better than you. <laughs> like I'm taller, I move better, I volley better. Way better backhand. Be. His serve isn't better, but it should be. Yeah, like your backhand's good, my backhand's unreal. Yeah. Like I guess Fritz's forehand's probably better. It might uh, be bigger. I mean, that was – no, that was hyperbole. I don't mean that. Taylor, I love you. You've been so kind to our Cracked Rackets family. I just happen to be quite fond of Alex Zverev's game. Yeah, I mean, I saw – I mean, there. I feel like there's been a slight negative backlash recently to Laver Cup because – and here's why. And some of yeah. it's justifiable. They're counting Laver Cup – Labour Cup wins as real match wins, like ATP listed matches. And they're treating the Labour Cup as though it's a serious event. And in reality, it's just a grand staged exhibition that happens to be really fun and intriguing to the average tennis fan. But there's no practical implications, or at least. some fans would argue, I should say, that there are no practical implications. I I feel like I'm speaking for both of us. I could not disagree more. Like, why can't we just enjoy this? Why do people have to get so mad about these little things? Like, oh, but this is gonna count to Federer's win total, and then Novak's win total is gonna look worse. Like, who gives a flying f**k? We don't get to see nearly enough tennis. Like, get over it. Or, in the team environment, the guys clearly are having fun on the court. Is it a grand slam Level intensity? No, but you're going to try and tell me two years ago, Kyrgios Federer playing with the match on the line wasn't as fun of a match in 2017. I guess it was as any match we saw. No, you're crazy as well. You don't like the third set breaker. You're a oh, I'm a best of five set tennis. It just is the purity of the sport. Go f- yourself. Like we want to have fun as a tennis community. This is one of the few times where we really get to have that fun because the creativity, the imagination. They're playing singles. They're playing doubles. They're playing together. You like Fadal? You get to see Fadal. I just, it, it. I shouldn't think about this. And tennis Twitter is such a small, like not really important, kind of important uh, part of the community. And we're so fond of them, huge fans of of uh, tennis Twitter. Obviously, that's why we're involved in it. You know, but it's just like uh, exp- I get people don't want to watch, like aren't enjoying it. Don't watch it. There's challenger tennis to watch. There's other ATP events or WTA events to watch. Just like get over it I just it makes me so upset sometimes that the the joy that is labor cup because it really is such a uh, different event than anything. And yeah, Davis Cup, Fed Cup, ATP Cup, Hopman Cup. I think Hopman Cup is actually the most similar because we see players in a similar relaxed sort of uh, mindset, right? The Hopman Cup, you're not playing for huge stakes, but it's men and women on a team competing for your country. Not that Labor Cup is country, but Europe versus world, the, ba- the basic standard of team tennis adds an added dynamic. It's just like, why can't we enjoy that? I hate when people are trying to take away by fun, Maxi
2: yeah did you get it all off your chest are you good now (laughs) that between
1: that lit and stan it's been a ranty type of pod tell you know it's
2: late i know well look you pretty much said it all i (laughs) I mean I, i feel you know fairly fairly similar uh the main thing that is just ridiculous is like guys you're seriously gonna pass up the opportunity to watch Djokovic, nadal and federer on the same team like are you crazy like like actually, well, no, Djokovic,
1: are, but Nadal and Fed. Sorry, yeah. sorry,
2: yeah. But previously, we've had Djokovic and Nadal, Fed. So like, yeah. Like, are you really, are you really about to pass that up? Like, you're actually, you're crazy. Like, you're, you're literally just getting the most entertaining side of tennis for a couple days. Like, just relax. Like, just relax. Um So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I could go on a similar rant, but I don't know if everyone wants to hear yeah. Gruskin rant 2.0.
1: And hey, look. You know, I feel like, I'll just say, because I'm I'm very fond of him as a human, but Paul Timmons, at Paul T Tennis, like, sometimes he goes on these rants where <coughs> he just feels the need to be the devil's advocate, and it's like, not this – you really got it. this is the fight you want to pick again on top of all of the other fights you want to fight this one. It's like, come on, Paul T. This is not the fight. Let us have a little fun. You, I, I really appreciate that you take Devil's Advocate. He also just recently wrote an excellent piece about the inequalities of the tennis pay system and the opportunities and all of these different things that I really encourage listeners to go check out. But give us Labor Cup. Back off, man. This one's ours. But with that being said, Rothman, we'll talk more Labor Cup throughout the week. We'll talk. uh, Yeah, there's plenty of tennis action every week. Any final thoughts from you?
2: No, I'm 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 ready for this time next week to uh, post Labor Cup to to see how it all goes down.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to it again throughout the week. On our mini break, we'll be talking some aspect of Labor Cup each and every day. We'll also be talking about the tennis throughout the week. So give that a listen, of course. This podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, cracked interviews. As I mentioned, we'll have content coming out across all three different platforms throughout the week. So like, rate, subscribe, review all of those. Share them with your friends. You know, we always appreciate if we, you guys have any feedback. We would love to hear it. You know, if you've missed any of our content, you know the website by now, CrackedRackets.com, For the more immediate updates throughout the day, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Cracked Rackets, at Great Shop Pod, at Mini Break. Uh, again, a huge shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westuff, who not only have a the f- job to do, but I'm going to add this in the end now as well. It's time to change it up. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, Westoff. That's how much we—
2: Hundreds of thousands.
1: Yeah, that's how much we Rothman and I value you. But with that being said— for my lovely co-host, the, poor, uh, the 1.05 version of Bruno Mars. For our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westhoff. Uh, and from our entire team at both the Tennis Channel Podcast Network and Cracked Rackets. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxie, what do we tell them to start off the week? That's a break. And we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.